So tonight, we're going to be talking about a story that is very familiar to most of us. It's a story that a lot of people have heard, and, and some of the points that we're going to talk about tonight are very, very basic points, but they're points that sometimes we need to be reminded of, because sometimes you've got to go back to the basics before you can go any further. And so tonight, is what we're going to do is we're going to take the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we're going to break down into five different characteristics that let us know that he was chasing God's presence more than his promise. So that's the main question I want to get across tonight. The main question is, are you chasing his presence, or are you simply chasing his promise? And I know that we're supposed to chase his, you know, that we're called to, to seek his face whenever we need something, and so I'm not saying not to do that, but what I want to understand is that so many times we cry out to God and we, we ask for a miracle, we ask for, you know, a promise to be fulfilled to us, and then when we get the promise, it's like, I don't need to press in anymore. I don't have to keep, keep seeking anymore because I've already got what I've come for. And that's the danger of having such a, an amazing God that can do so many different amazing things is that we sometimes tend to chase what he can give us more than just who he is himself. So tonight I wanted to remind us of we need to sometimes look back on what he has done and who he is before we continue just to go into asking what he can constantly do for us. So tonight as she pulls my first scripture up, we're going to go to Genesis 12, 1 through 9. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Marah at Shechem, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So what we see in this story is Abram was being called to a place that he's not, he's not familiar with. It's not his home country. He's being called to, to leave his country, and he's, he's being told to do this. And it's not just a, I tried to do some research and find how, how far exactly it was, but there were just so many different, different people with different, different ideas. But Every single one of them showed hundreds of miles that this would have been traveling, that he would have been traveling. So it's not like it's just something he can just, just do, and then if it doesn't work out, he can just come home in a day, and this will all, you know, well, that didn't work out. But this was something that, it was, it was no turning back for him. It was either you go or you don't go. So he just obeyed. And a lot of times we, we can't just obey when it fits into our plans, because I can assure you that at this time, Abram was not planning on leaving to another country from his, from his father's household and, you know, go into a land that he's not familiar with and just go into somewhere that he knows nothing really about. But he did it because God called him. And so sometimes we have to do what God's called us to do, not because we know how it's going to end, but just because he's called us. You know, there are times in, in my life that I've, I was scared to do something or to, the first time I ever preached was, was not just because I had, I had done this or anything like that, but it was because my cousin had asked me to, to preach at their Friday, Friday that they didn't have anybody else to come for, and it was the next week. And so uh, one thing about me is I'm not really good about saying no. And so uh, I just said, yeah, and then when I got home, I was like, what did I just say yes to? What did I just get myself into? Um, and then I did it, and from there I, I preached at my own church, and then from there to here has just been a constant journey of God taking me different places. And I just obeying him and saying, okay, God, I'll go where you lead me. And, you know, it's been, like I said, it's been a journey and, you know, different things I've, I've done and different places he's taken me. And I preached in a whole other country now when I first was scared to preach to a church that maybe had 30 or 40 people. And that church could have had upwards of 70 or 80 at the time. I don't even remember how many people it was. But I'm just telling you this to say that before you can go any deeper, you must learn, first learn to obey. So the first thing we know about Abram was that he obeyed. He didn't obey because 
it was just comfortable to obey because it's an amazing calling. And it was that he told, he told him that you'll make him a great nation of all the descendants. But one thing that most of us know about this story at the time is it's a great calling until you realize that at the time he had no children. So he was basically not, he had no children and he's telling him you're going to be a father of nations. But Abram just simply obeyed God. And, you know, so he, he just said, I'll, I'll go. And uh, I watched a movie a little while ago last week. And uh, the movie was called His Only Son. And I looked at it, and at first I thought it was going to be about, about uh, Jesus Christ. And I thought it was going to be about, you know, God sending Jesus. And then I started looking at the details of it and realized it was talking about Abraham and Isaac. But, you know, in this, in this movie, it goes from the beginning all the way to the end. And it shows, it shows Abram what, uh, when he was called to, and to the journey that it takes to go to where, where he settles at. And uh, this movie, it, it did a good job, and it basically just showed the journey, and it showed that at the time we know that he's, you know, he's not a young man. He's not, he's not exactly 20 years old and just, you know, really young and spry, and this, this journey is just going to be an easy journey for him. But he's 75 years old, and... He goes on this journey doing what God's called him to do, and it's going to be a long journey, and it's going to be a tough journey for him, but he just obeyed God. So you might say, well, how did he obey God? What did, what did he, he do to obey God, and, and how can I have that type of obedience? How can I, you know, I want, to, I want to get to that place too, but how do I obey God when I don't, I don't understand what he's trying to tell me to do? So the second thing I want you to understand not about Abram was that he had faith. And that's why many people refer to him as the father of faith. And so we can't just obey when it looks easy and when it fits into our plans, like I said, but we have to obey out of faith knowing that whatever God has told me, it'll come to pass. Because never in Scripture do you see a promise he made that was not fulfilled. Never once was it not fulfilled that he called. But it might not always be in the timing, and it might not be always the way that you want it done. So sometimes you just have to obey out of faith. And sometimes it starts off as a small step of faith. You know, it, before Abram could get to, get to all the descendants, he had to first wait on the son. He had to wait on Isaac. And we know that this was not his first son because we know that Abraham had it through his, through his servant's wife. Abraham had it through his wife's servant, I mean, and had Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the promised one. It was not the one that God had told him was going to build... He was going to build it on. And so he trusted God, and he obeyed God and, and waited for when it was going to be through that. So, like I said, how do you know that, how do I tr- obey God and I do it out of faith when, you know, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know where he's taking me. I don't know, I don't know where I'm going or, or what, what to do. But you can simply just do it because it's just, you know that he'll provide because it's just who he is. It's, it's just in his nature, like I said. So, in Hebrews eleven eight, it talks about Abram being the father of faith, like I said. And so, in Genesis 12, like I said, he was 75 years old and he was not a young man. And it's, you know, it's a long journey. It's miles on top of miles. And I don't know exactly how long it was, but he's going to where God's calling him to go. And uh, like I said in this movie, I, I go back to this movie because it's when I when I did this, I didn't even know where it was gonna it was gonna lead to this. But sometimes, whenever God speaks to me about a sermon, the way He does it, He just drops a little thought. He just drops a thought on my heart, and and I'll just write it down, or I'll you know write it down in my notes, and I'll just I'll just think about it, and I'll I'll pray about it, and I'll you know I just begin to just just think about it all the time, and and I'll pray about is this where is this what you're leading me into, God? And so if it is, then it, he'll stay, keep it on my heart, and I'll continue to, to seek him, and I'll continue to just try to, you know, do what he's called me to do and to, to study and, you know, and build what he's trying to build. And other times, if it's not, and it's, then, then it's not. But this thought kept coming back to me, and I had wrote it down. And whenever a pastor asked me to speak, I had, uh, I had already written it down, but, you know, I didn't know that's what I was going to talk about, so I told him I'd get back to him, and waited a little while before I, I got back to him, and it, it was because I didn't want to do it. It's just, I was just waiting, waiting for God to just confirm this is what he wanted me to talk about. 
And uh, like I said, I just couldn't get it off my heart. I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop going back to this thought, the thought of, are you chasing his promise or are you chasing his presence? And uh, many times we, like I said, and, and I've grown up in church and I've seen so many different things in church. I've seen so many different healings, miracles. I can remember one time I went to a, uh, to a conference as a youth and uh, we went to Winterfest and it was the one in Texas, I believe. And uh, at the conference, there was, a, there was a teenager that came in in a wheelchair. And I wasn't exactly around him at the time, but I was praying. And then all of a sudden, I just saw the wheelchair and nobody in it. And uh, I, just, I was still praying, like I said, so I didn't really think that much of it. Till later on, I realized that it was empty because the woman that came in there in the wheelchair walked out of there pushing her own wheelchair. And so we live in... Seeing these miracles is, is so amazing and so, you know, transforming. But at the same time, seeing what God can do at times, we, get, we tend to get a little bit needy. We tend to get a little bit selfish. Where if I'll, I'll press into God today and I'll, I might pray and I'll fast and I'll read the word and I'll do everything that we're taught to do to get a miracle and to, you know, everything that we're told to do to, to receive from God. And then when we receive the promise he's given us, it's like, well, I don't need him anymore. I just needed you to give me what I needed. And so many things in our lives that we, we take for granted every day. I can, you know, whether it be some of us have a car and, and we prayed about finding a brand new car and, you know, God provided a way for us to get a car. And then since we got the car, nobody can get in and it's just our car. Nobody can, can ride with us and nobody, we don't give a ride to anybody and, you know, we're just always thinking about, don't touch my car and this type of thing. And, you know, so many different other things that we can look back of promises that he's given us that we simply take for granted and never really gave back to him. And so one of the things that I was praying whenever I was looking for a car when my, my truck messed up is, is, God, I want, when I get this car, whenever time comes, let me use it for your glory. And that might sound strange to have, you know, to ask for a car for his glory. And, and I was the... I obviously wanted a car, I'm not going <laughs> to, but so many times, like I said, I didn't want just my car to just be something that I, I paid for and that I was working for and stuff like that, but I wanted it just in such a small thing to be able to use for him. So every time comes, then I want to you know, offer a ride to somebody. I want to be able to do what, what I know that he's called me to do. So we obey out of faith. So in Genesis 17:5 it says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And like I said, this is a strange, strange call at the time because he doesn't even have, have a son when he takes this journey. But number three that I want to talk about tonight, the last thing I want to talk about is, goes back to the actual story of Abraham and Isaac, and it's sacrifice. Um, and sacrifice is not something that we really like to do. It's not something that really comes in our nature. It's not something that we really... You know, it comes easy to us. It's not something we can just wake up and just say, I'm going to sacrifice something today. But we can only do that in, by training ourselves to do that by walking with him day and night, every single day of our lives. So I'm going to read uh, Genesis 22, 2 through 12. It says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the land for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out to his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me your son, your only son. Now there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about here, but one part of the scripture that I, I want to talk about that is one that I think gets missed, that I think we kind of miss a lot of times when we read this story, and it's whenever Isaac asks, asks Abraham, you know, where's the offering? You know, you got the wood, you've got, the, you've got all this, but where, where's the offering? And uh, Abraham tells him God will provide. Now, we always talk about it as Abraham having faith, and Abraham had faith, but if you look at it, I believe that Isaac had to have a certain amount of faith to continue with this journey too. But he didn't have this faith because, just because. He had this faith because he had seen his dad do it all his life. And, you know, for any, you know, any guy in the room, we know that, you know, statistics show that, you know, we all model our lives after our father in some way or fashion. And, uh, you know, some for good and some for bad, unfortunately. But I believe that Isaac was able to, to look at Abraham and, and know that he would provide because, know that God would provide for him because he had seen it over his life. And uh, we don't exactly know how old Isaac is at this time. We don't know what his age is. It doesn't say in Scripture right there. But I can tell you, obviously, if he's doing this journey, it's one that, you know, he's, he's old enough to be at least a teenager or so, at least we would assume. But throughout this, his lifetime and throughout his childhood, he'd obviously seen Abraham believe in God in faith. And he had seen him, you know, just obeying God. And, and I'm sure by this time, Abraham had told him, you know, the story and told him, you know, the story of him coming over and, and trusting God, you know, waiting on his promise. So I'm sure that, you know, and by this time when they take this, this trip that I'm sure somewhere in those, those years that Abraham had told his son Isaac the calling and the, you know, the call that he had given him and, you know, the, the promise that he had given him that he would give him descendants through his son Isaac. And so whenever he took this, this journey and he was able to trust, I believe that it goes back to Abraham, and I believe that that's, that's part of the story that we don't always think about. It's one that we kind of look over at times. But I think that that's just as powerful as Abraham's faith is showing, showing Isaac's faith here. So that's the, the third point on the five characteristics I want to talk about. So we've got obedience, we've got faith, and now we've got sacrifice. And so I talked about Isaac, and I've talked about his faith, and I've talked about, you know, like I said, Isaac. But what do you do when the very thing God is calling you to sacrifice is the very promise that he had promised you. Because I'm sure that at the time it was hard for, for Abraham to, to do this because this is his promise when we don't know. You know, we know that Abraham was very old when he had Isaac and, and Sarah was very old at the time. And so they had been waiting on this dream and they had been, been praying and patiently waiting for this dream for, for a long time now. And so we don't know uh, whenever he was born. So we don't know how long exactly, but, you know, it was by this time they had had to wait patiently. And so this is, Years of waiting and years of, of crying out to God and praying and, and years of just, you know, waiting for God, asking God, you know, when is it coming? I'm sure part of them. But he still, God asked them to, to lay down the very thing he had promised them. And I believe that, that many of us, there are some things in our lives that God has promised it to us and God has given it to us. And he's just asking you, would you really be willing to sacrifice it if I called, it, called you to it? Now, he might not have, Abraham didn't have to sacrifice Isaac, but he was willing to. And so, what is it in your life tonight that you look back on and something you cried out to God for and, and maybe God gave it to you and now, and now you've let it become between you and God? Now it's become something that you've, you spend more time with than God or you, you're worried about more than God and something you think about all the time. Would you be willing to sacrifice it if God called you to it? So as I get ready to hand it over to Pastor Lot, the main thing I want you to, to think about tonight is, what are you chasing more? Are you chasing his promise or his presence? And I want you to understand that this message is not coming from you know, anything to do with judgment or anything like that. It's coming from a place of, I believe that we've all been there. Because I know there are times in my life where I was crying for a miracle and I was, I was praying for something and I got it. And it's like, you know, I got it. I can just go back to my regular normal life now. I don't, I don't have to press in. I can come to church. I can come to you know, the Wednesday nights, and I can do these, these rituals and do these things, but I don't really have to press in any. I don't have to, 
I don't have to get up early in the mornings to pray and, and read my Bible. I don't have to get up and I don't have to listen to sermons and feed myself daily on his word because I've already got what I need. But I believe that God is, is calling, saying, when are you going to come back to me and for, never forget that I promised this to you, but don't forget that I'm the one that gave it to you in the first place. And so as I hand it over to Pastor Lyle, I pray that you understand where I'm coming from, that you understand that this is not just you know, something I've never done. I'm preaching to you something that's just random to me, but something that I've dealt with in my life, and I'm sure that many of us in here in the room either are going through it now or at some point have gone through it. So I want to encourage you tonight that if, that if you're in one of two places, whether you are, you've got the promise and you're waiting, and you're just kind of going through the motions and you've gotten complacent now with the promise, then I want to encourage you to come back to God and and begin to seek him again for who he is. And never forget what he's done for you and what he can do for you. But never, nonetheless, knowing that he is who he is. And he will always be who he is. So number three, or one through three, we have obedience, we have sacrifice, and faith. All three of those work in conjunction to get you to reach a point and reach a place where God wants you to do something that most folks will never reach, which is the mindset of trust. Trust is the, is the whole culmination. It's what God is trying to get you to. If God can trust you, then you can entertain His presence. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, anybody want to have a friend? Would you like to just have a real good friend? Okay. That good friend, do you want them to lie about you or you want them to, to be honest with you? You just want them to lie about you? No. Do you, do you want them to talk about you to other people or you want them, you want them to, to be connected to you? All right. So, so if I go through this list, here's where it's always going to be. The things they do to hurt you or push away from you pushes friendship away. And the things that they do that allow you to get closer is going to create a greater friendship. Let me show it to you in, in just regular understanding. Okay, let me give you these few things that will help you build trust, which will build relationship. Now, we know that, that obedience, faith, sacrifice, this is the start of doing the right things. But if you say, I would really love to have trust. I would really love to, to, for somebody to trust me. I would love to be trusted. I would love for God to trust me. Well, let's look at it this way. Number one, be true to your word. Here's the things Abraham learned in the almost 30 plus years of following God. 30 to 40 to 50 years of following. We don't know exactly how old Isaac is at this point. But it's been almost anywhere from 25 to 50 years that he's been learning these basic tools. That he's been learning how to obey. He's been learning how to sacrifice. He's been learning how to live by faith. He's lived in tents. He's, he's traveled. He's lived as a nomad, having no country, no land. In fact, shortly after this story, the very next stories that we're going to find is that Abraham has to buy land to bury his, his wife. He doesn't own any land. He doesn't have any land. And yet God is saying, you're going to have all this stuff. And God is constantly saying, I want you to sacrifice. Think of the sacrifices, not only leaving, not only doing, but Ishmael, that other child that he has, when they grow up, when Isaac and Ishmael are reaching... Uh, young age, and Ishmael's a teenager, and Isaac's just kind of being winged, God says, send Ishmael away. Oh, oh, it's okay, let him go. I'm going to take care of him, but just let him go. I mean, there's enormous amounts of faith and sacrifice, and all of that so that we can, number one, be true to our word. God has been true to his word. God has reached a point to where Abraham now looks at Isaac every day and he looks at him playing out in the yard and he watches him growing up. He watches him working in the field or, or, or hunting or, and he thinks every time he sees him, man, God's been good to me. God has been faithful to his word. God gave me what he said he would. 
Part of creating a true relationship is that can you be true to your word? If you say something, are you just saying it to get by at the moment or are you saying it because you're really going to do it? If you're going to ever move forward in life, you're going to have to be able to do that. Secondly, communicate effectively. Be clear about uh, your commitments. Be clear about what you say you're going to do. Abraham was clear. God was clear. They made a covenant. God constantly, that's what we've learned, constantly says, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And Abraham constantly is trusting God, constantly depending on God. And the communication between them is always consistent. After year, after year, after year, it's still the same consistency. Have you got something from God that you've said, "Uh, you know, I I quit believing for that? Well, God didn't. If God spoke it, then God's still hanging on to it. God's still believing for it. Number three, build trust gradually. It's funny when people get married. When people get married, it's two people that think they know each other and they promise and all this stuff to each other. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'll never do this and I'll never get upset and I promise we'll always talk and I promise. How did that work out for you? You young people need to listen. Because I'm going to tell you what you're really doing from the moment you say, I do. It's a long drive to trust. It's a long drive. It's not a quick trip. It takes time to be able to say, I can trust that person. Whether I'm trying to have a friendship or whether I'm I'm getting married or whatever it's going to be, it works the same way. If you say something, are you going to live up to it? Can I trust your word? can, Can I depend on you? Gradually watching you every day, do I know you have my back? Do I know that we're together? Do I know that that's what builds trust? Do you make decisions carefully? Be consistent. Abraham had to learn this. Remember now, Abraham would lie about his wife and he would go through. Abraham didn't, wasn't born with this perfection. He had to learn it over the process of time. He's constantly wrestling it out. He's constantly like, ugh, I messed that up, ugh. And friendships work that way too. Has your, your best friend ever done anything to hurt you? Yeah. Well, why didn't you dump them? Because part of the growing process, part of this is learning that, hey, we'll make mistakes, we'll, but we're going to get up, we're going to keep going, we're, we're not going to stop, we're not going to... That's how you build trust. Those words he just said, obeying constantly, sacrificing, living by faith, trusting, obeying, living by faith, sacrifice, obeying, living by faith. And Abraham's like, ugh. Like, man, this is getting old. That's why by the time God does finally show up and say, hey, a year from now, you're going to have Isaac. Sarah's in the back of the tent laughing. She's like, yeah, right. And God's like, why is she laughing? Because it's hard to build trust. You can be married to somebody and not trust them. You can call yourselves friends and not trust them. I like you, but I don't trust you. I like you, but I ain't, I'm not loaning my fishing rod to you. I'll never see it again. You can like people, but trust is earned. That's, that's one of the funny things about our day and age. Because people will just just throw that out. Why don't you trust me? Almost like it's a badge of, you know, like you've hurt my feelings. Like, why don't you trust me? Well, let me count the ways. Let's see, the last time I did, you did this. Last time I gave you $10, you did this. Last time, why are you judging me? No, no, you just changed the conversation. You said, why don't I trust you now? Why am I judging you? 
I'm judging you because I can't trust you. Let's just clear it up. Some of you in this room, here's your problem. you got a trust issue. Can't nobody trust you. Now, you're a nice person. You're fun to be around. But if you want to know honestly, just look at the person beside you sometime and say, be honest with me. Can you really trust me? That'll scare you sometimes to know the answer. They're like, I love you. I didn't say that you love, I said you trust me. I love you. And I know, you, I know you're doing the best you know how. People use all kinds of phrases, won't they? I, I know you're trying. I know, but the honest question is, no, I do not trust you. You have not earned over the time the, the ability for me to say, yes, I trust you. And that's what happens. That's why you get in trouble. Biggest times you'll ever get in trouble is when you start trusting somebody who has not put in the time, has not made the sacrifices, has not. I tell my daughter this all the time. She'll come up with new friend, new this, new that. And I'm saying, listen to me. Don't none of them ever pay your bills. None of them's ever bought any clothes for you. None of them's ever put any gas in your. So here's the dumbest thing you'll ever do is to think you can trust them better than you can trust your dad. It's the dumbest thing you'll ever do. I said, they got no skin in the game. And when they bail on you, it's not going to cost them a dime. Getting ugly. If you want to be trusted, learn how to show real feelings. Being open about your emotions. Abraham was open. That's, that's the risky part of trust because until you're open, until people know you're open, they don't really trust you. You can spit out all the facts. You can tell them all the statistics. You can say everything, but people's like, something just ain't right about that dude. Why? Because, you know, they tell all the stories, but they never tell no stories about themselves. They don't ever share any of their junk. It's always somebody else's junk. Be careful. Because earning trust means that you can be vulnerable. It means that people can look at you and they can know, hey, man, they're, they're an open book. They share the junk just like everybody else. They're not trying to... Avoid self-promotion. See, the shortcut to time, energy, building trust, earning it, is just telling everybody all how good you are. And how they can trust you. And how you won't hurt them. Guys do this to girls all the time. They just flood them with words. Oh, you don't trust me? Some of you just smile and say, nope. Well, what do I got to do? Call me in five years. Five years? Yeah, I'll know you by then. I'll know a whole lot more about you. We'll see what you like. Don't be surprised if they don't make it three months and they already done moved on. Because here's the thing. Learning to trust God, you got to understand, God and Abraham have been in this relationship for 30 plus years. I know I'm making it sound like a boy and girl, this, but God and Abraham have been doing this thing. Abraham, I need you to trust me. Well, God, I lied this time. You know, I thought you was going to kill me, so I lied. Abraham, come on. Abraham, I want to give you a son. Yeah, but Sarah says we need to go ahead and try to have one ourselves because you may not help us. Abraham? And who's the only consistent one in the relationship? God. God. But when you build trust, when you start to do what you believe is right, when you're able to admit mistakes, when you're able to be close, then, then you're a candidate for God's trust. And that takes you to a whole new level. Most folks do not live their life with trust. Let's just be honest. Most people go into church, God does not trust you. Here, I, I'll prove it to you real quick. Sell everything you got and then join the ministry and then 
come on and I'll be on staff with me and, and just sell everything. We'll, we'll hook you up. We'll just get you going. You ready? No. God can't trust you. You got to wait. Well, how much I got to do? Well, you know, I really don't. Let's be honest. Think of how, think how much faith, Abraham. Leave it all, Abraham. Okay. Leave all your family. Okay. Some of y'all been married 20 years. You still can't leave your mama. And you want, to go, you want to do something great for God. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to tell you this is the highest crescendo. Because people will look at me and they'll say, Brother Lot, I try to obey. I know you did. Brother Lot, I try to, you know, I make sacrifices for, for my family, my kids, my, my, my God. I know you do. Brother Lot, I try to live by faith. I know you do. But the highest level. Notice now, none of this happens when Isaac is born. This is years after Isaac has been born. Things have calmed down. Ishmael's not around anymore. Life is good. It's just Sarah, Abraham, and Isaac. And life is good when God says, Abraham, I think I can trust you. I think I can trust you. Now, why does this miracle with Isaac affect him so much? Why, why, does this, why are there moments in our life where the, this step, no matter what it is, if it's a rich young ruler, sell everything you got. It's just those moments where it's like if God asks for that, it takes everything. Why? Let me show you. Number one, when God's going to ask you to do something that requires trust, it's always going to be something that's familiar to you. It's always going to be something that's familiar to you. What did I, Abraham do? What has he done? A whole journey he's been knowing God. Every time he goes to a new place, what does he do? Builds an altar and does a sacrifice. In fact, when he gets in trouble, you know what he always does? He always goes back to the last place he made his sacrifice. So when God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him, Abraham is familiar with this problem. This isn't something like, well, how bad could it be? He knows because hundreds of times he has cut a lamb's neck. Hundreds of times he's watched it bleed and lay there and just life leave its body. He, hundreds of times he has cut it down the middle and he has lit the fire and watched it burn on a fire. Hundreds of times he has been familiar with the process that what God is asking him to do. I'm going to tell you why it's going to be so hard for the thing that God asked. It's because so many times in your life it's been familiar in your mind how this thing is going to work out. I'll show it to you. In my life, I grew up in parsonages. We never owned much of anything. The parsonage was always near the church. It was just, my whole thought process was if I ever get out of here, I'm never coming back. If I, I'm, I'm going to. So when I left and moved to Birmingham and left my house at 18 years old and started school, I had a picture of a white Porsche on my wall. With red interior, four door, a big bad boy. I wasn't ever going to go back because I was familiar with that. I was going to enjoy things I had never experienced. I was going to move toward the new stuff. I was going to move forward in life. And when God came calling, you know what he called me to? To go back to what was I want you to go talk to that person. No, not that person, God. I've done moved on. I want you, I want you to go deal with that. Not that, God. I, I'll deal with anything, but I'm just not ready to deal with that. 
God is always going to when He trusts you. When He trusts you, He's going to go back to the familiar. Maybe it's something you, you've had, you've broke all other addictions. You don't do drugs no more, you don't do this no more, but you still dip. Let me tell you what God will do when He trusts you. He's going to come after that thing. He won't come after it at first. You may go 10 years, 20 years. Quit everything else and God's like, you're good. And one day, all of a sudden, you're going to hear a sermon by Pastor Lot and you're like, I'm going to say, what's the matter? Oh, God's dealing with me about this. How long have you been doing it? 37 years. Well, it's about time to deal with it. And the only reason God's bringing it up now is because he can trust you with it. You're not the person you used to be. This one is not a miracle that you just get. This is one you got to go do it. The miracle is in the trusting. The miracle is in the process. The miracle is in the walking through. God wasn't going to take Isaac. Abraham had to go kill Isaac. The first thing is, he will always go after something familiar. If you're a young person and you, oh, all I ever wanted is a boyfriend. All I ever wanted is a boyfriend. And all of a sudden, God, you can God get to that point and he's like, I trust you. I want you to dump the boyfriend. What? God, anything. Do you trust me? No. Yes. Whatever level you're at, he's only going to deal with what he can trust you with. He's never going to come after the thing he can't trust you with. That would only hurt you. There's things in your life right now that you aren't mature enough for God to say, let's deal with that. Let's be honest. If you had to quit cold turkey today or change that today, if I told you, quit worrying about that stuff anymore. I don't know how to quit worrying. You'd quit church. I can't do it. I can't do it. God's going to come after the thing that whatever your level is, you can be trusted. Secondly, it was something in his family. The thing he had wanted all his life, family, God says, I'm after that. Thirdly, it's going to have to happen by your hands. I'm not going to do it. You know, it's amazing, Jesus and the rich young ruler, he didn't lay hands on the rich young ruler and say, in, the, in my name, you, every business deal you're going to do is going to fail and you're just going to go broke and have to follow me. He didn't do that, did he? He said, nope. You, with your hands, go give it away. When he can trust you, it has to be something you can do with your hands. Something you're willing to walk away from. Something you're willing to deal with. Brother, why are you doing this? Why, why, are, you, why are you so hard here? Because I'm fixing to show you. Abraham has to stand in the place where the natural says it cannot happen. Because what's held you in that place for so long whether it's an addiction, whether it's an attitude, whether it's $5 you've had stuffed under your mattress because you just in case something goes wrong, you, you got a rainy day fund. Whatever it is, your mind has settled in the fact that it can't happen. If I dump the boyfriend, I'll never find another. It can't happen. If I, if I quit this, I'll go crazy. You've told yourself for years it can't happen. Not in the natural. And God says, no, it can't. But I'm trusting you to trust me with something that you know isn't possible. I can tell you story after story in my life, and people will, will brag today and say, well, Pastor, y'all did this, you did this. And, you, and you think, but listen to me, it took years to get to the point where God could trust me with something that I knew was not naturally possible. That's the first thing people are going to say. You know that can't happen. I know. You're just going to do it anyway? Shoot, yeah. 
I done got good at being dumb. Abraham, after all these years, hadn't got smarter. He got dumber. He was now good at being dumb when God says, kill your kid. Okay. But here's why. Because in Hebrews, where Cameron was talking about, it said that Abraham was willing to do that because here's what he knew. That Isaac was the promise. And now he had grown in his faith and his obedience, his sacrifice, his trust. To where he said in Hebrews 11 that Abraham knew that if he put him in the fire and killed him and burned him, Abraham said, I would have stepped back and I would have stood there and I would wait until God brought him out of the fire and gave him back to me. I done got so dumb, I expect that incredible things. Because what does he tell his servants? Me and the lad go yonder to worship. And we shall return. So, I wish I had time to deal with that. We will come back. That's a promise. Because I got a promise I'm already held. And I'm so dumb, I'm telling you, I don't care if I go up there and cut that boy in little pieces and we burn him on an altar. I'm telling you, me and that boy is going to come back and he ain't going to even smell like charcoal. We coming back. I ain't, I'm not coming off this mountain until he comes back with me. That's trust. So, let's get to the story. And let's understand what trust does. Go to me to verse 13. Abraham, number one, if you're going to, if you're going to, Learn to trust God. Moving beyond where you are, where God's talking to you. Listen to me. You've got to give God room. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got to give God room. Quit being so arrogant. Quit being so hard-hearted. Quit being so closed off. Quit acting like you got all the answers. Quit it. Give God room. Abraham's a master of it now. Here's what happened. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by in his horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. All right, this sounds like a cool part, but do you realize what happens before this? All the way leading up to this, what does he do? Does he take wood with him? What's he need wood for? Does he take his knife? Does he take fire? What's he expecting to do? Same thing he's always done. We're fishing to go to have a sacrifice. He gives God room. He doesn't, well, God, you know, I forgot my knife today. And I, I was like, you know, uh, no, he says, I got everything. In fact, I love this part of the story. If this was the last few minutes you were spending with your boy and you were walking up the hill, what would you put on your boy's back? Knowing it's the last time you want to love him the best you can, it's the last time you're going to see him, would you let him carry the fire? Would you let him carry the knife? Or would you make him carry the whole big old bundle of wood? Nobody talking? I know what you'd do. Son, let me tote that for you. I don't want you to feel bad when I cut your throat in a little while. Let me tote this wood. Here, I tell you what, you just tote the fire. It's, it's a little stick and it's light. And I'll, I'll tote this for a day, son. Dad, I'll tote it. No, no, son, I, I'd feel bad if I didn't. Abraham says, boy, get that wood. Put it on your back. I got the fire and I got the knife. Let's go worship. Look at the person beside you and say, do you trust God? I've got a bigger question. Look at the person beside you and say, do you think God trusts you? Can God trust you? 
That's the big question. Abraham gives room so God says, do what you want, God. However you want to do it, I'm open. Number two, Abraham obeyed implicitly. Exactly what he was supposed to do. The knife, the wood, the fire. He has everything. He goes to a certain spot, God says. He, he, he travels three days. He doesn't, he doesn't somewhere two days in say, well, this is as good as any. I'm, I just can't take this much anymore. My mind, I'm thinking about my son and I'm going through all this. And, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to be able to put up with all this. Some of y'all be whining for all three days. What's wrong with your dad? Oh, I don't want to talk about his son. I just got a headache. Can God trust you? Can God trust you? He, he explicitly, implicitly does exactly what God tells him to do. Number three. Trust then. Because listen, I told you, this is the key component. Trust brings the miracle. I'm going to say this just as easy as I can. The only reason God has blessed us and the only reason God has given us and the only reason God has continued to give people jobs that really didn't realize they'd find jobs and they got better jobs than most people. And they, they, The reason God does this is one reason. Because God feels like He can trust us. That's it. Why have we been so healthy? Why don't we do funerals all the time? We don't hardly have funerals here. We have people with cancer. They get healed. They don't die. We just had a lady just recently diagnosed with cancer. Came back last test. Clear. Why? There's only one reason. God trusts us with it. Now you can go down the road and find you another place and, man, they, they can just, well, I wish God would do something. I wish. And I'll tell you why it's not going to happen. It's not the music, not the preaching, not, the, not anything. Probably better preaching and singing. But have they done the time so that God can look at them and say, I trust you. Whatever I ask you to do, you'll do it. If I tell you to buy 12 more acres and build a crazy camp, you'll do it. If I tell you to go downtown and build a ministry center, you'll do it. There's churches in this town that could build three ministry centers, got money in the bank, boo koodles. You think that board's going to meet next week? We need to save forests. It ain't happening. Because it could be a rainy day. Who knows? We might need that to pay the light bill one day. Well, if you start getting million dollar light bills, let me know. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to be very honest with you. Because the goal is to obey God, sacrifice, live by faith so that God can one day look at the person beside you and say, trust you. Because if He can trust you, you get the most powerful thing there is. You know what that is? You know what the most powerful thing is? His presence. Do you notice the only thing that doesn't happen through the whole story? There's no God. There's a voice that says, go do this. God doesn't show up halfway through it and say, come on, Abraham. We're going no God, no anything. Not until Abraham draws back the sword, the knife, and is fixing to kill his own son, does the voice say, stop. And then when he turns around, what does he see? An angel and a ram. It's in the trust that steps you into the presence. Not the better you're praying. Not the greater you're singing. But the greater God can trust you, the greater the presence of God will be in your life. Because it has to. 
Because you done picked the fight with something you can't fix. You done picked a fight with something too big for you. He better show up or you're done. He better show up or you are in, you are in bad shape. And notice what happens. Trust brings the miracle. A ram is caught in the thicket. He turns around. Oh, there's our sacrifice. He kills the ram, burns the ram. But then listen to what happens. This is very important. Listen to what happens. Let's continue to read. So Abraham, verse 14. Let me pull that up and we're going to read. So Abraham called the place the Lord will... <laughs> you only get that in trust. You get a whole lot of, boy, I hope God, I hope God will, I hope God will, I hope God will. Man, I'm believing God will, but there ain't but one place you get, I know God will provide. And that's on the other side of trust. Because remember now, if you're not there, here's what you'll always do. Well, now, Lord, you know I've been faithful. You're going to tell him about how obedient you've been. You're going to tell him all the sacrifices you made. You're going to talk about your faith. You're going to quote him some scriptures. Because the problem is you can't get a foot on this next level and you're struggling. Only in trust do you reach the point where God is able to say to you, Hey, I see you. I trust you. So Abraham called the place, and i got to close it. We're through. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. Notice what happens. Now remember now, up until this time, he's told him several times, you're going to be the father of great, you're going to be the father of this. You're going to be the, remember, he's done this. This is the last time he'll ever tell him this. And he doesn't say it the same way this time. I will. Abraham, it's a done deal now. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Verse 18. Keep going. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. God comes back and says, Abraham, here's what I can do now. My presence now won't leave you. And the residue of your name that me and you have will one day cause your descendants to defeat enemies that they couldn't have defeated, but they're going to call on your name. In fact, if you read your Bible later throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you will see that God always says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> I know Him. Me and Him are friends. I got His back. I can trust Him. Therefore, his kids will be taken care of. Therefore, his descendants will be taken. Therefore, enemies that come against him will fail. See, what you're trying to reach is you're trying to reach trust level. Where God can trust you. So that you can enter into the presence of God. And in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Because you ain't worried about nothing no more. You're not worried about any problems because they can't compare to your God. I'll show it to you this way, and I'm through. Moses was leading the children of Israel. And he gets to a certain point, and he goes away with God. And God says, Moses, you're going to do this, and Moses, you're going to do this, and you're going to... Moses says, stop, Lord. I will go nowhere unless your presence goes with me. I don't care about all the miracles. I don't care about all the other stuff. 
Until you tell me your presence will go with me. I'm not going by myself. That's when you know you trust God. Will you stand? With every head bowed, every eye closed. This is what I want you to do tonight. I just want it as it's quiet and there's no noise. I just want you to bow your head. I want no noise. And I just want you to listen. Because I'm going to tell you what's happening in this place right now. Whatever level you're at, whatever place you are, there's a place of trust God is wanting to stretch you to. It's something that you know, I can't do this, I've tried. I've had people in my church this week just talking about their eating and their and and that sounds like such a trivial thing, but I'm gonna tell you something, it's not. It's taken God. It may be thoughts. It may be some addiction that you've had since you were a kid. It may be an outburst of attitude that gets you in trouble. It's not a big thing or a little thing. It's just the next thing. That God says, I trust you here. And I'm calling you to come out of that. Or I'm calling you to move forward there. I'm calling you to be the person I called you to be there. And I know your first response, God, I can't do it. And God says, that's right. That's why I'm asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust me to lay it down? Do you trust me to give it up? Do you trust me to be honest about it? I had someone this last Sunday just in tears in between the services as I was preaching. He said, can I talk to you after service? And he shared with me two or three struggles that he's got. And he said, God's dealing with me. I said, absolutely. These are not just going to fall off. This is where God is saying, do you trust me? Can I trust you? That if I speak to you, will you move? Will you not just hope it goes away? Will you not just ignore it? I'm trying to move you to a place that's better than where you're at. Maybe it's faith where you haven't had faith. Maybe it's peace where you haven't had peace and just letting something go. But right now, I believe that in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is speaking across this room to be every one of you about the next thing that God says, can I trust you here? Can I trust you to read your Bible better than you've been doing it? For some of you, that's where you need to be. You need to get up in the morning and you need to start reading your Bible. You've been wanting to do it, but you hadn't been doing it. God is saying, can I trust you there? You need to learn to kill lions and bears before you ever learn to kill a giant. Kill your lions and kill your bears. Kill your lion and kill your bear. Father, for everything you're speaking right now, for every person in this room that knows the next place that I'm supposed to be promoted, the next place I'm supposed to be able to say, my God will provide because He provided this. God, I speak that right now that every person in this room like Abraham of old will do exactly and will move immediately. Without complaining or grumbling, they will be faithful. They will sacrifice. 
They will walk by faith. And they will be trusted by the Almighty. Father, for whatever you've spoken to them, for whatever they're supposed to work on, change, or grow in, when they walk out of this room, I speak that it's done right now in Jesus' name. I promise you the devil did not tell you to quit something that's hurting you. To move forward, it makes you better. I promise you he didn't do that. That's God. Father, give them the strength in your Holy Spirit. Give them the courage that they need to go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And this much you need to know. As you do this, His presence will be there. Because when you're crying and when you're struggling with it, His presence will be right there. That's how you build trust. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits.